Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. This podcast is brought to you by the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the number one soybean system planted in the U.S. Weeds will do anything to stay rooted in your field. You applied a herbicide to get rid of them, but some survived anyway. Did you just miss those weeds with a sprayer, or are they thumbing their leaves at your effort to kill them? Joining me for this episode on recognizing and preventing weed herbicide resistance is Scott Nolte, who is a weed specialist at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. So I guess my first question is, how does this whole thing work? Does the herbicide change the weed, or is it the ability of the species to adapt to what's hitting it? This is a, a really good question and a common misconception that a lot of growers, producers, um, several people get confused about. And it's, I think, a result of I apply a herbicide and then I started to notice that it doesn't work anymore. You know, logically, people think the herbicide is causing the issue or causing mutations to occur. Technically, a herbicide can cause some mutation. I mean, any major stress event that doesn't kill a plant can contribute to genetic mutations in the seed or the pollen. That's what drives genetic diversity. And that can sometimes be useful for the survival of a species, right? Kind of like the phrase, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So those stresses cause changes. But the stress that a herbicide causes is small. Um, there's actually been research done recently. So there's a publication that came out by Pat Trannell. They're actually trying to quantify this change and try and understand, is the application of herbicides causing a noticeable rate of mutation that leads to herbicide resistance? Uh, and their initial work is showing that it's, it's minuscule. So I guess the short answer is that herbicides are not causing the resistance. Herbicides and the application of herbicides and the use of herbicides is not causing herbicide mutations that result in resistance in weeds. The actual cause and, and what we're seeing in grower fields, the population of resistant weeds is, is actually a result of overuse of a specific herbicide or a group of herbicides or a mode of action. And so essentially what's happening is that by using a single herbicide or a, a group of herbicides, growers are inadvertently selecting for a biotype or that specific weed that had a standing genetic mutation that allowed it to be resistant to that herbicide. So by applying that one herbicide or herbicide mode of action over and over, you eventually select for a population of weeds that has that genetic mutation. When you repeatedly use one herbicide, you kill off all the weeds that are sensitive to that herbicide, and you eventually are left with only weeds that are resistant to that herbicide. Does the weed eventually have the ability to evolve to resist the herbicides? Are weeds that smart? So a lot of times we refer to it as weeds having the ability to adapt. It, it almost appears or it sounds like we're saying, you know, they're responding to the application of the herbicide and they're, they're changing. The reality is, is that we're applying some sort of selection pressure to basically only allow resistant weeds to survive. 
a lot of times I will, I'll give my growers this example to help them kind of wrap their mind around the fact that it's not the herbicide causing it. It's our actions that are, like I said, selecting for these herbicide resistant weeds. So my example usually is, you know, if you had a population of people, you have natural genetic variation within a population of people. And so some people are shorter, some people are taller. And if you had a doorway that was a certain height and you took a population of people and said, okay, everyone that can get through the doorway can pass to the next room, you're applying a selection pressure that's going to select for a subpopulation of shorter people. It's like applying a a filter or a net and I'm only going to catch the subpopulation of plants that have this certain mutation or variation. When you're talking about those weeds that are still standing, explain the importance of having one single resistant weed and how fast it can rapidly multiply. Right. So having one resistant weed that is left in a field, uh, let's say this one weed remains to the end of the season. The critical thing here is if we have that one resistant weed that survives and not only survives, but's able to produce seed. A lot of times we're baffled within, you know, the weed science world of what these weeds are capable of doing and that those that maybe are suppressed in their growth, they can still produce seed. So allowing that one weed to survive and produce seed for a species like in the pigweed family, for example, a a palmer amaranth or a water hemp, those species produce a lot of seed. Given enough room, sunlight, space, nutrients, those single plants can produce a half a million seeds. So if you let one of those plants survive and produce seed, they have a lot of offspring. And in as little as three years, one plant can basically take over an entire field. So if you allow that one plant to go to seed, you run a combine through that field, spread that seed, come back, spray the the same herbicide that 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 one plant was resistant to. Again, the second year, those plants are all going to produce seed and spread. And by the third year, you can see an entire field, in some cases, be taken over by this one resistant biotype. How do you be sure you've killed that one single weed and prevented it from producing seeds? We'll talk about that when we return. Soybean farmers need results, which is why so many of them choose the proven yield performance and advanced weed control of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. Recently launched ExtendFlex soybeans offer elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and now glufosinate. This season, choose results. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. What are your recommendations for producers to make sure they get that one resistant weed? Is it a single herbicide? Is it multiple modes of action? Right. So our recommendation for managing against the development of resistant weeds is to use multiple modes of action. And so not relying on one herbicide or one herbicide group. And when we talk about a group of herbicides, we're typically talking about a a mode of action. I think the generally agreed upon method is tank mixing, multiple effective modes of action. And so when we say effective modes of action, it's a herbicide that will 
essentially provide at least 80% or higher control of a weed species. And then not allowing that one weed to escape, right? So you're using multiple modes of action in a year, along with other integrated management techniques. And so if you do end up with weed escapes that get through your herbicide program, it it may even be necessary to use a hand hoeing crew or using tillage in season. How long does it take for a weed to build up resistance? Is it one year, two years, talking maybe as a species as a whole? I think initially we had believed that from the the time that a new herbicide would be introduced, a new mode of action, and a new mode of action hasn't been introduced in many years. What we had seen in the past is that we we would have a new mode of action that would be available, introduced in an area, and we would see 10 years of use before we started developing resistance issues. Through continued research, we're now realizing that that's really not the case. We're actually, again, we're, we're beginning to apply that selection pressure and we're beginning to start selecting for those resistant biotypes the first time an application of a new herbicide is made in a field. Again, you have a, a population of weeds that have natural genetic variation throughout that population. And with the, the pigweed species where we have one plant on average producing 100,000 seeds, there's a high percentage a high chance that we're going to have at least one or two of those seeds that are going to have that mutation that is going to allow for resistance. It actually takes a few years for repeated use of a herbicide before we start to select for enough plants that a grower starts to recognize and realize, hey, this herbicide isn't working anymore. Let's jump into the next topic, how to confirm herbicide resistance. What are you looking for? Is it live plants next to dead plants? I mean, what are some of the first signs? Some of the first signs and when we're, we're trying to confirm resistance in a field, we're looking for live weeds that are among or near the same species that are dead. We're looking for, you know, instances where we got good control maybe of other weed species with that herbicide at the same location, but our species in question, we didn't control. We're going to be looking for instances where we had good control of that weed species in previous years. Uh, We're going to be talking to the grower and asking them, you know, have you started to see maybe a decline in the effectiveness of that herbicide on that weed species over the last couple of years? We might even ask the question, you know, well, have you been using this same herbicide over the last few years repeatedly? Do you rotate herbicides? So that tells us a little bit about the practices, if they may have been applying this kind of selection pressure. And then, of course, the question of, well, is there actually resistance that has been confirmed in that species to that herbicide in your area or in your state? Can you test for it? Are there any tests out there to confirm resistant weeds? If we go through these steps... And we, you know, begin to formulate this idea of, all right, it's possible that you're dealing with a resistance issue. Again, we get to that last question of, yeah, we know that we have potential resistance in the area. If it's something that we know is possible, then we may not test for it. If it's actually a species and a herbicide combination that's not been confirmed previously in our state or in our area, 
we may actually collect a sample. So sometimes I will get contacted by our county extension agents asking these kinds of questions. If it's something that we don't have confirmed resistance documented, we'll collect a sample and we'll actually run a test in the greenhouse. There's a standard procedure for testing and confirming resistance in a population to a herbicide. We will plant out seeds of the weed species in question, and then we will also plant out seeds of a known susceptible population. So we have a confirmed sensitive species. That way, when we apply the herbicide, we can compare the species in question to a known susceptible, and we can determine, is there a difference in the response? And usually we will apply that herbicide at what we call a discriminating rate. So maybe it's a 2x rate of the herbicide. And if we see survival of the species in question, it's likely that it's a resistant population. If at that point we determine, okay, it's likely that it's resistant, we may go to further steps to actually confirm the level of resistance. And so that would be an additional set of steps where we may apply five different rates or more to try and determine a level of resistance. If you're using multiple modes of action, a mixture of things in your tank and something isn't working, how do you determine what part of the mixture isn't working? I guess if we were talking about a scenario where a grower made an application and yeah, a specific weed species survived this application and there were multiple herbicides, being used. In that case, I would probably go through those same kinds of questions of, you know, are there other species that survived? The more likely scenario and questions that I would probably go through with that producer would be questions about, okay, did you actually put the right rate of those herbicides in the tank and first make sure that it wasn't some other issue that caused the reduced performance? right? Or reduced efficacy of those herbicides. But there are cases, I mean, we have confirmed cases in other states of multiple herbicide resistance in weed species. Especially in the Mid-South, there are a number of confirmed cases of multiple herbicide resistance in Palmer Amaranth. I believe we have five-way resistance. And so we're talking about resistance to PPO herbicides, glyphosate, atrazine, ALS. Oh, no, I forgot the fifth one. But there are cases where there's multiple herbicide resistance. And so it it is possible that, you know, a grower could have multiple herbicide resistant weed biotype in his field. And yes, uh, even a tank mix may not work on that population. And so again, it's very important for growers to understand what weed species do they have in their fields? Do we have documented resistance? And am I using effective modes of action as part of my weed control program to control those weeds? Can you delay the onset of resistance? And if so, how do you do that? The answers when we return. Soybean farmers need results, which is why so many of them choose the proven yield performance and advanced weed control of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. Recently launched ExtendFlex soybeans offer elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and now glufosinate. This season, choose results. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. Scott, if you already have an effective weed control program, how do you delay or even prevent the onset of resistance? 
in Texas, we don't have as much documented resistance as some other states. And so at this point, I try to generally raise awareness to our producers that, hey, we're at a stage where a lot of these herbicides are still effective. This is the time where you can use a couple of effective modes of action and delay the onset of resistance. We're not going to completely eliminate the development, but the more effective modes of action and the more integrated management techniques that they employ now will help delay any development for several years. You know, our growers were kind of at that place of, well, it's not an issue yet. My herbicide still works, so I don't need to worry about it. And the reality is by the time you get resistance, at that point, it's almost too late to try and deal with it. Because by the time you really notice it, you've built the population and you've selected for such a high population of biotypes that it's almost too late to try and manage that population and use techniques that will slow the development. And so we often get the question of, well, how long will it take then using these techniques to reduce the population? Well, unfortunately, the answer I, I feel like is you're probably not going to be able to reduce the population to manageable levels back to a, a susceptible population of biotypes. Because again, with species like, you know, the pigweeds, you produce so much seed and you've built the seed bank so high. I've talked to growers that they've been doing good management techniques for a number of years. And then one year they don't do something. And all of a sudden they're like, man, where did, where did this plant come from? Well, there's seeds still in the seed bank. It's a complex topic that I obviously talk about for an hour or longer in a lot of county <laughs> programs. Anything we can do to continue to raise awareness is going to help those growers in the areas that haven't been hit by it yet and feel like they don't need to worry about it yet. Thanks to Scott Nolte for being my guest, the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, and thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.